All right, what is going on today, guys? We have a special guest today on the Jason Wojo Paid Ad Secret Podcast. I'm here with Nikki Lindgren. She's the founder and managing partner of Panak, which is a leader in scaling D2C businesses through paid ads with a focus on helping female-based beauty brands. She has a lot of expertise in you know digital media space. She's managed over $100 million already in ad spend, and she has an awesome team behind her to leverage the right advantages for increasing ROAS and overall having a good ecosystem for these brands to thrive in. Welcome to the show. Jason, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Of course, of course. So it's good that you're on because I'm in, you know, I do a lot of B2B, B2C as well. Um, and there's a lot of questions that people always ask me about running ads and like, what are the best creatives and do images or videos win? And is the offer really that important? So for, for beauty brands, we've seen a lot of success with beauty brands uh, running TikTok and UGC. And, you know, the market's changed over the last couple of years with, you know, Facebook ads getting more expensive. And, you know, we have TikTok now and, and, you know, people having to get more creative on their creatives to make Facebook work even at a higher ROAS and all that. So what things have you seen in the niche over the last couple of years that kind of shift, like the strategies and things you're doing inside of your business? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple majors that come to mind. So one is, you know, the the change with privacy and all of the data being collected is just really making advertisers think through funnel developing a little different than before. So I think, you know, three, five years ago, we would be talking about how to precisely target your person using, you know, the targeting parameters. And now we're talking about how to precisely create ads to target your consumer. And then we keep the advertise, uh, our advertising parameters wide in terms of audience development. So I think the shift in terms of like focus is really important. And what we've done uh, with our clients is talk through things from an awareness funnel, awareness stage perspective rather than a funnel stage perspective. So we're kind of flattening everything into acquisition and not focusing on top, middle and bottom as much as we used to just with the emergence of Pmax and Advantage Plus Shopping. Like there isn't as much clarity between the parts of the funnel. So um, those are kind of the major shifts we've thought through in terms of even like strategically thinking about something to put in front of the clients. Okay. Yeah. And like a big thing with like Facebook um, data was a lot of people that were inside of our company, they were like, oh, should we use Triple Will? Should we use High Row? Should we use any track? So like, if you just want to break the noise on this, what is your opinion versus using Facebook version API versus all these other softwares that like people are trying to buy? Yeah, um, we have clients who do both. So, I mean, obviously it's easier for us as ads managers to use the platform as a source of truth because it's fewer places to go like collate data from and make sense of. Um, we have seen benefits in using triple whale as our source of truth and optimizing based on triple whale numbers alone. Um, but generally speaking, like... Uh, I feel like we might be spending more time with the finessing than we would actually get if we like tested a new something brand new and the return on something brand new might be better than just like these knobs and tweaks we're making. Um, and that kind of goes to the next point that I would say is like changing the landscape is we track everything to MER now rather than just ROAS or CAC. And so for us, we can make all these triple whale or ad platform. Now, for people who don't know what MER is, what, what is yeah. that? Yes, MER uh, stands for Marketing Efficiency Ratio, and it's total e-commerce sales, so your Shopify sales, divided by ad spend. 
And, you know, some brand uh, VPs and owners hate it when we bring this up because they're like, that's not fair. Why would you use that as your metric? And I'm like, well, we've got to establish where you want to be with your MER, where you are. And then can we do all this testing? Can we do a huge awareness play and still generate the same MER for you? Great. That means we're spending money efficiently for your business just off of different tactics. And so what can we do to bring that MER number? Because just like ROAS, we want it to be as high as possible. So how can we bring that MER number up while testing these different parts of pain? And like some business owners don't want to go to that number because they're like, oh, well, we're quantifyingly like paying you based on the, you know, ROAS on your ads. But people don't realize that like not every single first click is a buyer. Yeah. Like they buy, they might opt in, they go into a retargeting audience, they go on YouTube, watch a video, they go on your TikTok, they watch some content, they get retargeted on TikTok ad. It's like, I, I personally go for MER too, because it's, it's more just quantifiable in the stage of like, Hey, if there's more spend and there's a higher MER, it means that there's more growth coming through the door, regardless if it's organic paid, you know, if it's socials, email, SMS, like it doesn't matter. It's, you're still making money. Yeah. Uh, also like a big question that some people might know or might not is there's a huge discrepancy right now around frequency rates on Facebook and TikTok and all the audience like displacements. What do you think is the frequency rate that's been the highest before you have to throw away a creative or an audience? Like, what is that number hmm. that you look for? I know that might be an interesting yeah. question, but like I've gotten so many of my friends to ask me this and I'm like, you know, I usually stop at around like a three-ish. I feel like that's where the ad starts to die and it gets creative fatigue inside the algo, but I could be wrong. Um, but like, it depends on how much you're spending too, because if you're spending, you know, you're spending five figures a day and your frequency is a three, you got to really creative test heavily. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So in like, um, let's say in a 30 day look back, we would allow someone to be served the same ad. I don't know. I feel like seven to 10 times maybe. Um, and so I don't know if your three was based on like a one day, three day frequency or why. Yeah, but... it's like, a, well, the well the the three is where I start to see the creative fatigue. Yeah. Like it's so... really the inconsistency in the ad. Like some days it will do well, some days it won't. And then, you know, Facebook's seven day conversion window will flop on me. But then I always mm-hmm. look at high gross anyway. And I feel like most of the numbers in Facebook are inflated, which is so right. true because I, I I can't stand the iOS updates. But yeah, yeah, for like people who are just starting out who are listening to this, like they don't have to worry about frequency because they might be spending a hundred bucks a day, two hundred bucks a day. That's not enough to hike up frequency. So yeah, a hundred percent. And then I would look at it. What I would be more interested in is CAC or ROAS deterioration. So what I would be looking is like. Um, the comparison chart for the last three days or one day or whatever they feel comfortable looking at. And when that starts to decline and the decline is a pattern, that's what I would like look at and then go back to frequency as a symptom of seeing this is where the fatigue started and and see those correlations. But like we've had brands that have had like a 12 frequency within a month and it's still like driving the best ROAS of everything on their campaign. That's so <laughs> yeah, it, it very much depends client by client. So we don't like have a hard and fast rule. What we do have hard and fast rules around is each month my ads team puts together what we kind of call a cheat sheet and we are pulling in CPM, we're pulling in click-through rate and a couple other like leading KPIs 
for the account as a whole. And then we're looking asset by asset where the outliers are. And we pause down based on that. And honestly, frequency is not something we even pull in as our cheat sheet. Like it's not that um, we haven't seen as much of a correlation between that to like have to pull that that particular metric in in our cheat sheets. Gotcha. No, I love it. And then, you know, for, uh, do you mostly work with Shopify? Yeah. Okay. So the the other thing I wanted to ask you about is TikTok shop. Mm -hmm. What is your thoughts on that? And is that providing a lot of revenue? And if it is like, what are things or tips or tricks that you have for people who are like trying to run TikTok shops right now? Yes. Um, I would say if you have the bandwidth and the people behind it to do it, absolutely test it out. I think there's still that first mover advantage phase going on. Um, we are finding that our brands that are enabled on TikTok shop and we can point our ads to them are seeing, I would say like average 27% higher ROAS than without it. So it's definitely contributing to their overall business growth story. Um, so for that reason alone, like I would not delay um that being said like is this a huge portion of their business no but like it it may become a huge portion of their business once uh, we are you budgets. are you leveraging tiktok creator marketplace like ugc creators to leverage that and if so um and this is good by the way this is good content um like what are you looking at most when you look at influencers like because i know that when people go on tiktok creator marketplace they're looking for followers and views and all these things like what are like these bs rate like what's the bs rate that you have for picking the right influencers yeah that's a fair question um okay so to back step our brands are usually bringing the assets to us once they're ready to to circulate them so we're not doing so much of the first pass of the assets but what i would probably say is like the authenticity and the realness of what we're doing out there is more important than anything. And working with brands or people that are going to convey your message well, I think is key. So I would just start looking at influencers of all creators of all different sizes and test them out. What I would be really deliberate about is like what hook about your product are you asking them to highlight? So you don't want this person talking about ingredients and that person talking about before and after and this person talking about heritage. Like find a hook, test a couple of them on the same hook. Let's say it's ingredients and like a high potency vitamin C. I'm just making it up, but like then all of them should talk about that. So you at least have a, a fair comparison as a basis point to start to narrow down which influencer works best. And then you can kind of move on to different hooks. So I'd put some like logic behind all of the testing rigor. Gotcha. Of course. And then, um, like I have so many questions. I've like them pulled up here from the audience. Um, so there's one question here about like TikTok automatic. So like, do you start broad on TikTok and then you run to interests? And when do you decide to use automatic? Yeah, um, well, I'm giggling because we were just pitching to a brand right before this. So it's it's all very top of mind. Um, so we do automatic or intentionally broad audiences in a set next to like two detailed audiences. So the goal there is to say same assets deployed is the automatic versus some of these more or broad versus some of these more detailed working. Uh, so we launch that way, like our month one together would be testing the two side by side or testing the three side by side. Um, but generally broad on both meta and TikTok, 
works best. I would say the second best is getting your hashtag targeting super tight. Yeah, because broad works well for us on Facebook. Like, yeah. I mean, interest targeting still like a thing, but at the same time, like for scalability and taking ABOs to CBOs, it's a lot easier for me to just efficiently drop the best creatives in there and just creatively scale. Because yeah. so many people are focused on like audience size. Like, yeah, that's kind of important, but like half of those people are not going to see the ad anyway. Because right. unless you're going to spend a crap ton of money, like you have to be spending at least six figures a month to touch a big audience size. So it's like yeah. broad has always been the most efficient. Also, like when I'm running like low ticket, I know this like low ticket digital products. Do you have a lot of these brands running ads in foreign countries? And if so, like what are the best countries that you're running them in? Yeah, not too many countries. So our countries are mainly uh, English speaking countries. So it narrows us down to like Canada, Australia and new uh, and UK is where we where we do the most outside of the US. Um, but I would say like 95% of what we're doing is here in US only. And then um, like as far as like e-com stores, where do you see most of them failing? Is it on the traffic side or is it on increasing LTV side? Like, I, I mean, obviously you can't have an LTV issue until a traffic issue, but like, let's say a brand is getting traffic, they're, they're getting sales, but they're breaking even. What are the biggest bottlenecks that you would look for to like fix that? Yeah. Biggest bottlenecks for a brand breaking even. Uh, yeah. In, in traffic is maybe a question or you're saying traffic is already solidified. They feel good. I mean, about traffic's traffic. running. It's, it's just converting, but a lot of brands, they, they're okay. Breaking even mm -hmm. like they don't care because they just want to build their email list and then they want to sell it. Yeah. So it's um, like, we don't work with that many brands like that. That sounds like it would be um, kind of amazing. We're always focused on profitability first with our brands um, and then, you know, scale in there somewhere too. So I think um, what we find are a lot of brands that have a hard time getting a normal conversion rate, let's say. So we're driving some traffic there or they're already getting traffic from sources and the conversion rate is low. So from there, you know, it's like working with the Vermont's and the other players in the space to figure out how we can get a better landing page in place for them. But at that point, you know, we're talking about pretty new brands and we want to look at their whole marketing mix. So when brands come to us and they're like, we, you know, we do 50 K a month and 95% of it comes from paid ads. We're like, well, you've already kind of set yourself up in a disastrous situation. Yeah. So that's what we'll kind of like step in and kind of um, back backtrack with them to figure out what we can do to get their other channels working. We personally don't do it at our agency, but like we can't, we can't feel really good about doing work where we're so uh, depend. like the success of the business is uh, so dependent on our success. Um, it just has always been a recipe for like yeah. not a good relationship. So the thing us. that's interesting is that I have two brands that we work with right now they do about 800 grand a month and they break even. And mm -hmm. I did that as kind of a twist question because there's a way that we actually profit on it, which is we just hooked up a call center to them. So like they run the mm -hmm. ads, they break even, but then they make 400 grand a month off a call center. And they're like, that's how we're able to leverage that. And we build the list faster. So like, that's amazing. So we just pump it and they're okay breaking even. Then they can go to their inventory, yeah. bigger credit lines. So that's how yeah. we manage that. So like um, the whole break even thing, like it's different for e-com, but 
if you have a call center in place after, like we have them call the buyers five minutes after, we're just like, Hey, I just want to confirm your address. And then mm -hmm. they get to the whole angle of like, Hey, um, I saw that you didn't grab this like moisturizing gel. Is there a reason why? And then mm -hmm. we're just, it's crazy, but it works really well. That's so hard. like, I don't know if you do this with your brands, but if you have anybody doing over 500 K a month, like just go get them a call center and they'll think you're Jesus. And that's all we've been yeah. doing. Yeah. It's nuts. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to think, I'll have to keep that in mind. We've got a couple of high volume clients that I think would benefit from that, that are a little bit more in the break even lane. Yeah. And like the LTV is just, we, we have it hooked up to Lifetimely. And we see mm -hmm. that all of the people who are buying from the call center, they literally have mm -hmm. the LTV. So like we, we went from like 200 K a month to 400 K a month, 800 K a month. And then like, now we're at like 1.1 ish every three to four months. He's like doubling the monthly revenue. It's nuts. So it's all based off because if they, if they buy from the phone, they're just more activated. They're like, wow, someone spoke to me and they're buying. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy. It's nuts. So I love it. All right. Well, good tip. Thank you. I'm going to take that one with me. And then um, like the, the, the other thing about like UGC. So a big thing that we get from our clients is like, oh, like what are the best hooks for UGC? Like, what do you see work the best? Like, do you, can you mm -hmm. shine some light on that, on, on what you're seeing that's working the best? Is it like the one sentence punchline of results and time frame, or is it something to have to do with the demographic plus results and time frame? Like, what are you seeing that does really well for UGC hooks? Yeah. So what we're seeing work really well is the um, outcome, we call it. So kind of like the before and after. So what your three weeks, three months later looks like. We also see um, us first, us versus them even deployed through UGC can be interesting. Um, frequently asked questions. So someone on the screen, like literally asking the frequently asked question. I think that one works well. And then finally, like testimonials. So the compilation of a bunch of different UGCs together, giving their review are the main ones that seem to work well. Um, but there's like 15 that we grab from usually, I mean, give or take, right? So like within our portfolio of brands that are kind of similar, we usually pull those and then keep an eye on emerging trends. Love it. But Love I, it. I really uh, despise when someone's like, just go get UGC. And I'm like, well, it, there has to be more. Like, oh yeah, there's way more, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just like a broad market, uh, what do you want to call it? Like a coach teaching coaches how to coach. Like, what is that? Oh my God, that's the funniest thing ever. Like when people say things like that, or they're like, oh yeah, like you're not making that much money from your store, just just increase your conversion rate. And we're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's easier said than done. And then it's like when people are coaches teaching other coaches how to get more coaches, it's like the funny, uh, it's just hilarious. But um, yeah, I appreciate having you on. It was great. Um, are there any projects that you're working on that you're excited about? And if so, if you want to share them. Yeah, I mean, our project is really to get as many of our 22 clients over to TikTok ads uh, and TikTok shop in particular as quickly as possible. So that's the area my team and I are really passionate about scaling. Um, yeah, beyond that, I think we are just trying to uh, continually improve the way we execute and deliver product uh, for our clients. So no, nothing, nothing super major. Unfortunately, I'm heading out to some events this year and trying to network a little bit harder. Um, but that's, that's about it from the Pennock agency right. side. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that the thing you're doing with the podcast and like, I, I, I mean, I host my own, but over the last like two weeks, I've been flying around everywhere and I've been on like 14 podcasts the last two weeks has been nuts. Like 
that alone tripled my reach on Instagram. And it allowed us to get a lot more higher quality clientele. And when you do the partner posts on Instagram and stuff, if you go in person, I would really look at doing some in person because when you do the partner collaborations, like you're going to get twice Mm -hmm. as much reach. It's actually insane. Um, Awesome. So yeah. And then like events, a big thing that people have done is like the interview questions at events where like you're next to somebody and you're asking them a question, those videos crush mm-hmm. always. So I like, try to, you can do those things, but that's stuff that I'm starting to pick up on. Cause like, I've just ran ads for so long, you know, like, yeah, you know, like running an agency with 250 clients. It's like, Oh, like this is cool. I just run ads, but like I don't anything else. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's just interesting. But now I'm starting to do more organic stuff, but yeah, I appreciate having you on. Where can they follow you? Yeah, uh, well, I think you can head over to our website to check us out. We're the most active on TikTok beyond that, but our website is uh, pennock.co. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks yeah. for having you know, that. I appreciate yes. you coming on and I will connect with you soon. Okay. Thank you so much, Jason.